this way? Was there something that you've already applied to your life and you've already seen fruit? So we're going to start it off with JD. He's going to come up. He was one of our uh, group leaders. And then Gary. And then, man, you guys just start coming up. It, it'll be an awkward silence if you don't come up. So, And uh, this will also be a great testimony also for those who are listening at home. If you were not able to be a part of this engagement project, um, you'll, you'll find out a little bit more about it. So you can come up here, and we'll also have that down there. Johnny, come on up here. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. How you doing? You know, we started this program with Dale called Engagement. It's good. Called Engagement. You know, you guys may not know I was a soldier for 20 years, right? So when you say engagement, I'm thinking about locking in on you. So you understand what I mean, right? So when I go on the streets, I go on the streets every day, you know. I leave the house around about 5.30, and I get back home at 4.30. My territory is from my house down to Belvedere, around to Thorn, back around to El- uh, Red Road, and back to uh, Helen and Troy. During that time, I run into all kinds of people. It comes out to be about seven miles. And what I do, it depends on the day or whatever. You see this corn right here? I use this corn to speak to, talk to people. I give this corn to people. You got to see the reaction. When you love people, you'll go out there and share the gospel. I've been doing this for 27 years. In Matthew 28, 19, 20, Jesus tells us to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you, lo, and I'm with you always, even till the end of the age. That's powerful. How many soldiers do we have in here? You stand up, raise your hand. I see, I see three with the hands up, but you know what? That was the wrong answer. Every last one. Every last one of you are. A, is a soldier. Why did I say that? In Timothy, the second chapter, second verse, no, Timothy 2, second chapter, 2, 3, and 4. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of, of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangle himself with the affairs of everyday life. We don't get caught up in this. We're not going to be here. This is not our home. Now, when you say that, then Jesus is telling you, hey, who is your commander? Jesus Christ. So the excuses are, I can't do this. I can't do that. Remember what he said earlier, I command you to go. As a soldier, all the soldiers out here understand what I'm talking about. When your commanding officer tell you to go, you don't question them. You don't say no. And we has a tendency, but you will enjoy it when you see the love that the people, when you share these coins. My doctor, I was at the eye doctor. I gave him this. He told me, he said, man, your eyes are good. I said, well, man, I had cataracts, and I got inserts in my eyes. How can they be good? They're not an original, right? He said, but you can see good. I said, well, doctor, let me help you out with something. Here you go. Here's this coin right here. He said, he read it. He looked at me. He said, man, I'm going to share it with, with all my patients. 
That's how simple it is. Just share. I have given out over 150 of these coins in the last two and a half months. Now, I don't know how many of them accept the Lord. That's not my problem. My problem is to share the gospel. The Lord said his word will not return void. It accomplished what he sent it to do. And trust me, 30 years ago, when I came from Germany to El Paso, I was on my way straight to hell, no doubt. A young lady at my job came. I was at wit's end. I was going through a divorce. Everything around me was collapsing. And uh, this young lady put her time in. She came to me. She shared the gospel. And I would never let her down because if I would not know where I would be at today if it hadn't been for her. And that's the way I feel every morning when I go out on the street. And I hope that you would feel the same way. You know, your family members are going to be hard to witness to, but guess what? You can still pray for them. So, as Jesus said, you know, when you're out in the streets, he said in 2 Timothy 1, 7, for God has not given you the spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. When you believe that, you know, nothing's going to happen to you out there, you know. But you got to be watching. You got to be trusting the Lord. And he will use you. He will use you. The Bible says all the angels in heaven rejoice when one come to the Father. I would love to see the angels rejoicing. But I would love to see us rejoice when one of them come to the Lord. And when the Lord used you in a mighty way. So. Then the Lord tell us right. As you. As I said earlier. You're a soldier. If you wasn't a soldier. He wouldn't tell you to put on the full armor of God. And the key to it is. Your struggle is not against flesh and blood. What we do is. We get caught up into. This politics, that politics, get caught up in the person in front of you because they're black, green, orange, purple, whatever color they are. They flesh and blood. And your fight, he told you, as a soldier, we know our mission. He said, your fight to go, your fight is not against flesh and blood. So I know who it is. Now he tell me, who is against? Rulers against powers, against the world forces of darkness, spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly place. It's not this brother or sister over here. It's the enemy. When you know, as a soldier, you must know your enemy. So we must train chariots, teaching you every Sunday, Wednesday night, this man is putting in the work, guys. And we should be out there putting in the work. Loving on people. It's all about love. So, and that's what I do. But I just want to tell you guys, man, the harvest, he said in Matthew 9, 37 and 28. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseek the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest. Man, the people out there right now, they are looking for answers. They are looking for an answer. And who has the answer? We. It's in here. So let it flow. And, you know, I always think about other people this way. I wonder, and, you know, we always want the Lord to come, you know. And, and Peter, it says, the Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, 
not wishing for any to perish, but all to come to repentance. Always wonder what would happen 1991 if he had came for the rest of the world because I wasn't born again at that time. Always keep that in the back of my mind. So with that said, God bless you. I hope I didn't scare you. tell you this. This is the most important thing I have to say. My wife was, I led my wife to the Lord. She was a non-believer and I have watched her grow. So every time, I, that's what keeps me going also. Every time I see her growing, you know, just by sharing the word with her, and now we married. Two. Can you hear me okay? Do you want to do this one or that one? Okay, you do that one. Well, J.D., I should have gone first instead of following you, man. I, <laughs> anyhow, I got to tell you, um, until 10 weeks ago, my wife Sonia and I never heard of Dale Tackett in my life. And after watching these videos for the last, last 10 weeks, it's like, Man, this guy is brilliant. Um, he's really made us think about things in a whole different light. There's concepts he's brought up that maybe I'd thought about before, but he's made me think about them in a whole new light out there. And the other thing, I've, I've had the privilege and honor to, you know, be, you know, I won't say lead a small group, but facilitate discussions. And I just love the opportunity to be with other people because when they share, they actually teach me so much and stuff like that. So it's been a great opportunity to be hearing from other people what they got out there. Um, so Sonia and I tried to go back and look at some of the notes. And if you've watched these videos, Dale goes so fast, you can't possibly keep up with him and stuff like that. So I need to watch the videos about 10 more times. But we kind of went through our notes and came up with, I call some of the aha moments out there. And one of the first ones that caught me was what he always referred to as the end game. And he talked about what the end game was, and I don't want to go through all those, but what he said the end game was, it was to um, glorify God by bringing forth fruit and flourishing. And I thought to myself, am I doing that out there, day in and day out, out there? And, you know, it says that the, if the end game is to do that, Satan, who's our enemy, who wants to seek, kill, and destroy, his goal is he wants us to be dead with no fruit out there. And so if we're not careful, we find ourselves being in my story, and I think Dale referred to this, and I heard some of you talk about this, that we write our own script, that we want to you know, do, live, live life our way out there. And, and if I wrote this down right, I remembered it right, he says that we want to fulfill our script because we think it's going to find significance, bring us pleasure, joy, peace, happiness, and contentment. But at the end of the day, we end up angry, resentful, disappointed, and apathetic because it really doesn't work out the way we wanted it to. And he, he brought up this quote from Jeremiah 29, I'm really familiar with it. But he asked a question, does it scare me that God has a plan for me? And it makes me stop and think, what plan am I following? Am I following my script and my plan, or am I following the plan that God has out there? And... Um, you know, so we have to ask ourselves that question, do I want to follow my script or God's script? And if we follow God's script, God's going to bless our obedience with wisdom, with the words, resources, grace, and love. So it's not our job. God's just work, using us as a tool. And we know that God's heart is for people, for all people. So it doesn't matter who it is you're talking to. He wants us to connect with everybody out there. And then we realize that Christianity is all about God and what he wants to do through me for the benefit of others. So it comes down, my script is not my script. It's for glorifying and producing fruit for the Lord out there. Um, another one that really caught me was when I think was the Epoch Redemption. And he was talking about the depths of God's love for us out there. And it says that if we want to seek the good of those near us, we need to return to redemption and understand the depth of God's love for us. And Dale asked this question, why have we ignored loving our neighbor? And if I remember right, he says, 
those who feel like they have been forgiven little, love little. And I shared with the group, we can find ourselves out there going, oh, I'm not that bad. I'm pretty good. I've been forgiven. But don't realize it's like I'm a horrible sinner out there. I'm no better than anybody else. And really have to sit there and soak that in to realize the depth of God's love for us to love other people further out there. So if we find ourselves downplaying that, it's going to be really hard for us to show that love out there to other people. So we need to pray for spiritual eyes and ears and then engage with people. And i got to tell a short story. Is There was one week that um, it was one of those things. It's like, all you got to do is go out and talk to people when you see them and stuff. And I, I walked the neighborhood, not nearly as far as J.D. It's not seven miles, but, you know, I take the dog up to the mailbox in the afternoon. We got one of those group mailboxes. I walk at a different time. But anyhow, I walk up there. I never see anybody. So as I'm walking to the mailbox, I usually have my sunglasses on. I've got my headphones on. I'm walking the dog, head down like this. And this guy's walking in the mailbox, and, you know, we do one of these friendly wave things like that. So then the guy starts walking towards me. It's like, okay, now I'm engaged and stuff like that. And so he walks over, so I have to pull out my earbuds, and he starts going, hey, I've seen you before. Um, my name's Gus. Um, I've seen you out here, but didn't like you're very friendly to talk to you because you always have your head down, you got your headphones on, your sunglasses on. I go, oh, my gosh, and stuff. You know, so I can find myself in that trap out there is I want to meet people, but if we're not open and act like we're ready to meet people, It'll pass you by. So never, never a humbling moment for Gary and stuff like that. So <laughs> got to love that stuff. And then the last one, I think, is the crown jewel. Um, you know, I told our group last week, you know, when Dale was handing out plaques and certificates to his group, I go, ah, sorry, guys, I got nothing for you and stuff. Um, I'm going to tell you, one of our members in our group, and I'm going to point her out. She's back in the back back there, Tony. I'm going to embarrass you right now. But she came in, and she was sharing at the end, and she just tearfully eyed and stuff like that. But she was sharing from her heart how um, these past few weeks of doing the engagement project had really touched her heart, seen the love of God out there. And she was talking about the crown jewel out there. And I think if I sum it up quickly enough, it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Love your neighbors yourselves. And then as the new commandment Jesus gave us, love each other just as I have loved you. You should love one another. So... I didn't have a gift, but Tony got everybody in the group the crown jewel. I don't know if you can see this. It is a beautiful crown jewel and stuff like that. And so every time, I have this on my desk right now. So every time I see this, I can remember this series and be reminded of God's love for me and how we're really engaged and to love our neighbor. So awesome series, and thank you for letting us share that. I want a crown jewel. <laughs> Come on up. Who's next? How about one of our sisters? That's team one. saying okay it wasn't about Dell it was about the word of God but it had such an impact on me okay it was like I didn't want to miss um, I was sad that it finished okay but it has brought light to me too you know I've tried uh, I, I do tutoring and I do substituting okay and I and I find myself trying to bear fruit with them okay so that's helped me a lot and then I'm really happy, too, that when my daughter can come, Jessica, you know, she's here, and sometimes she feels like, you know, I'm not at that point, and I tell her, maybe it's not you who has to be giving right now, but us giving to you, and it was really cool because in the last uh, class that we had, she was in here, but Johnny's been uh, having the group that's of young people, and we all were like, well, I was very interested in the life group. Okay, in fact, we've actually started to talk about it, Johnny and I, about a life group. 
and we had a couple uh, from this church come and we asked a few other people, you know, whether they'd be interested in a life group. And I was telling, uh, you know, the group how I thought that was amazing. And then they tell me, well, that's how we feel about our Christian group. And I tell them, like, are you guys the white flag? And they said, yes. She goes, and he goes, and so he goes, some of us have to leave, but we stay in touch. He goes, sometimes we have to go, you know, to another country, to somewhere else, you know, in the United States, but we always stay in touch. He goes, but we're like a life group. And then I told him, you know, my daughter has been telling me that she wants to make some Christian friends. And so um, they were very excited about her coming to the group, and she's been excited too. And I think to myself, you know, this is all about life thy neighbor, okay? Um, because without knowing, that could be forming. Without knowing, we are now trying to find friends, couples that are also doing the life group. And so it's, it, to me, it's been amazing. I was kind of sad it finished, but it doesn't really finish, right? Because it's the word of God, okay? But it, I've been very impressed with it, and it's something that I've known, but sometimes I forget. Um, I, you know, one of the things that I really liked is how he, they say, you know, it's brilliant, it's too simple, it's too hard, okay? No, I'm sorry, it can't be. It's too simple, it's too hard, it's brilliant, okay? And it is. I mean, if we go out and find one person that we can bring to the Lord, imagine how many we can bring together. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I do better like this. Um, I uh, I had the uh, the pleasure of, uh, of leading uh, a small group over here at, uh, through this project, and I, of course I've uh, been through a lot of things that uh, Dell's taught for years. Uh, Truth Project before this, and uh, this kind of to me, just kind of brought it all full circle. And uh, we just loved, Rhonda and I just loved every, uh, every Wednesday when we would come in and uh, how the members of our group just kind of uh, were sharing how this was uh, making a difference in their lives as, uh, as they went through their, their week. And just the ways that uh, they reached out to other people. And uh, I know uh, we have, uh, when talking about life groups and things like that, it's, uh, it's a lot of what Rhonda and I have really uh, been, has been our heart as far as uh, our Silver Courts uh, ministry, that we, that our... Uh, our couples and our friends and our brothers and sisters in Christ just make those connections and uh, and and have those people that they know are there no matter what. And uh, I know uh, Dell talked about uh, uh, you know about how we should be winsome and and approachable and. And things of that nature, and I have, uh, I personally have tried to uh, tried to apply that to my teaching this year and in my classroom because, let's face it, I'm I'm exposed to a lot of uh, a lot of young people every day, and uh, I found that using a lot of this and keeping this in mind as I work with. My students has just made a huge difference in the uh, in the environment in my classroom. Uh, I've gotten to the point where I'm 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 once again excited about being with my students again, and uh, yeah, I don't know how if I'll, if I'll feel that way by May, but. Uh, <laughs> 
at least right now, it's, 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 it's pretty awesome. And uh, just watching as uh, the difference as I see my students respond to that, and that kind of allows opportunities and openings to come up where kids will ask me about stuff. And then, you know, of course, once they've asked, then... Uh, as a teacher, I have the ability to kind of guide them in uh, in the right direction. So, uh, and I know Rhonda and I, we've had some instances uh, of late where, particularly going through this, uh, going through the engagement project, that uh, things have come up in our uh, our personal uh, devotional time and in our, our, our devotional time together as a couple where it just kind of, as, as is usually the case, it just, you know, the way God works, it just kind of immediately hits on something that we just talked about. And it's like, whoa, okay. God's trying to tell us something here. So we, uh, we find ourselves just being more in tune with that and just, just trying to make a difference where we're at. It's just, just been a wonderful opportunity. So, um, I wanted to share how encouraged I've been that God uses the entire body to serve the community in which you live. Um, like these guys, I, I walk my neighborhood and um, I enjoy it. I meet people, I, I look up, I engage them. <laughs> I do take out my headphones if I'm listening to something. I'm not faulting Gary, but it's easy, right, to keep it in if we wanna be left alone and we don't wanna engage people. But I've made it a point over the years to engage my neighbors, to at least be kind to them, to, I mean, I will say there are rarely days I share the gospel with a neighbor, but I do my best to love my neighbor. I do my best to pray for my neighbors that I am engaging with, even if I don't know a lot about them. And God has done three things with my neighbors with my prayers, God has used um, one of my neighbors, Gary is his or is her sister, and I had been praying for this woman and a little bit that I knew about her while they were praying for her and inviting her to come to some different things. She came to Bible study Thursday night, and then Sunday I saw her walking out of grief share. You know, but that was God using the entire body. There's another woman in my neighborhood. She is the cat lady. And a friend was saying how she has this opportunity to help this woman. And she was going to take this woman to the doctor. And come to find out it was my neighbor. And this woman is allowing my friend to share Jesus with her. She's not a Christian, but she said she's open to hearing more. Um, there was another situation, not with somebody, my neighbor, but a friend had been ministering to somebody. And there's a lady in our church, this woman was going in for a major surgery, and God happened to have one of our nurses in this church be there and minister to that woman. So just because maybe we're not given the opportunity to specifically share the gospel message with our words, our actions, and the way we treat people, the way we engage and interact them, God is using that, and God will then be uh, allow other people to come together. So, so utilize the fact that we are a body and be blessed by that.
coming up here, I would have done my hair. <laughs> this is the rainy hair, don't care day. So, um, good evening. Uh, there were several things that, um, that I loved about this study. And I also love that what we're studying in James and what we're studying in different devotionals and everything, God intertwined them on a daily basis that just kept saying, you got that. Yeah, that's what I said. Yes, Nancy, and I'm going to give you two other things to think about while you're thinking about that. And so it's been a wonderful, wonderful 10 weeks. But um, one of the biggest is um, his perspective that you're not where you live by accident, that that is your Jerusalem. And I love that idea that um, we think, well, I don't know them or they're not like us. Or, you know, we live in a neighborhood with a lot of um, older people. And we were always the ones that um, there were only two families that had kids when we moved in there. And so there was a lot of the neighbors that just opened their garage and pull in and shut their garage. I'm like, I hope they turn their car off. But, um, and so there's not a lot, you know, but then there's the dog walkers and the dog walkers all know and love each other. And there's the, you know, um, and so there's a lot of things that you can do. You just have to think out of the box. A couple of years ago, God laid on my heart to reach out to the widows in my neighborhood. So... That's one of the things that I think has brought me close that I don't tell them it's me. Um, sometimes I've written them notes and things like that, and they know now because they've caught me on their cameras. But, um, but you leave them Mother's Day cards or leave them Valentine's, leave them a cupcake, leave them cookies, leave them flowers, um, you know, little crafty things or whatever. And just the things that you know that they're missing because they don't have that day-to-day interaction with their spouse anymore. And so I've tried to do that and be the one that writes the cards and all that fun stuff. And that's a simple thing to do that really, really can engage and and build that relationship. So now I've got a 95-year-old that likes to drive Tom and I to lunch. And, yes. (laughs) And we're like, we'll pick you up. She's like, absolutely not. I'm driving. So we go really close to the house. Um, so, um, So I love that and that you really are in your Jerusalem. And so... Um, we have some neighbors that we will be honest, we've lived there 23 years and we don't really talk to them. And even when we walk, I feel like we do the head down across the street, not on purpose. We just don't know each other and they never look and, you know, like it's able to talk to them. So, um, we've thought of some ideas to try to engage that. I will say that we live in El Paso. We invited our neighbors a few weeks ago. I just text everybody that I knew a number and invited them to taco night. We live in El Paso. You can go to taco night almost every night somewhere. Just look on the calendar and find out. So for $1.25 to treat your neighbor to a couple of tacos and great conversation. We had 10 people go that night. It, It was a great time. And so Things like that that I think we have to put ourselves out there. We have to do, um, we have to do something. So that was one of the, the things that I love, that if I'm in my Jerusalem, why am I hiding? Why am I not going out and engaging and, and, and respecting that he's giving me those people? I don't understand it. And then on that note, I love when Dell said, um, it's hard to love difficult people, but be careful because you're one of them. <laughs> that resonated and maybe got reinforced by something later that week. Um, uh, And so the other is um, when he said um, that the only way that we really can love people is if God abides in us. If we're loving people and we're loving people without God abiding in us, we're loving people with our script. We're loving people our way. We're loving people because of they fit our need, our social status or whatever. And that really hit home with me is that you can love them. And all you have to do is say, Lord, empty out all those things I think when I see them or when I hear them or when I, whatever it was that's happened. And a lot of times we have little neighbor things that you're like, you're still mad about the basketball. I mean, that was how many years ago, you know, and it went in your bush and my boys apologize, but you're still angry about your squish bush. But, um, (laughs) And so, but when you see that person, you automatically identify with that. And so he doesn't need to be the grumpy old man about the basketball anymore after 19 years. We need to let that go. And so, um, but to see him that he's God's creation and God made him and, and I need to figure out how to love him, which, which means I need to get out of the way. And that's the only way that could ever happen. So, um, and then the last thing was the night that Dale kind of got teary eyed when he talked about being separated 
from God. And I have put that to play, um, that we never want to be separated from God, not for three hours, not for a weekend, not for three seconds. And that really resonated with me. And so when you're driving down the road and everything's gone wrong all morning and your gas light comes on and someone pulls in front of you and now you're late and your phone falls under your chair and everything's going wrong. That was my day yesterday, by the way. You literally have a choice at that point. You can go your way and do um, things that are ungodly and say things and whatever. And people see those things. They see you come in. They see, oh, she had a really bad day and you can see it. But what they, what I think is the best part is that you can say, you know what, Lord, it is what it is. And guess what? I'm going to wake up tomorrow and none of that's going to matter. And so I'm not going to give it anything. And I'm not going to separate myself from you. I'm going to choose to say, work this out, Lord. I won't even look at my phone. I promise if that was your like sign that I don't need to look at my phone while I'm driving, then that's okay. Try to see the positives in that. But it's amazing how people will see that. And people always say, oh, well, sometimes people just have all this joy and happiness. And that's not an emotion. Joy isn't happiness. And so um, I think it's more important when people see how you react to hard things than when they see how you react to good things. Um, You're setting a much better example. So that was something that touched me. One more. Come on. Then I'm going to share a few things, and then we're going to have communion. Right on, brother. I'm just going to take this out because I don't think this goes tall enough for you. (laughs) I'll try not to cry. I'm a gentle giant. So, uh... experience here has been uh, it's been very encouraging Um, I was very discouraged thought I had to get up here say because maybe what I have to say might help somebody else but um, when Dad was talking about his son that that, uh, he doesn't know where he's at I have a son like that. He's 25. But what it made me think was that um, the people around us, when he was talking about that might be somebody else's child, or this somebody else's child. So during the whole 10 weeks, my wife knows I have a lot of young men that call me all the time. Realize it. They call me, I mentor them, I talk to them, I encourage them, I pray for them, I rebuke them. And uh, you know what helps? If you're having trouble to talk to somebody, just, you know, it's been really encouraging because, uh, like, if I can't love my son, I, I can love my neighbor. And uh, when I see somebody that's my, my kid's age, I just I pretend that's my son. So God's been speaking to me a lot, and it's it's been very encouraging because I'm getting calls like, people call me, hey, I just want to tell you how much you mean to me. Um, I just want to, and I didn't do anything special, you know. I just call and ask how they're doing, you know. uh, So anyway, that was probably the the most impactful thing. I haven't really done anything with my neighbors yet. We're working on that too. But um, So, um, yeah, if there's somebody that you really in your family that you just can't reach to, just pretend that person that you can reach to is them. Because it'll be a lot easier to reach out to them. So... Somebody just has to come up. He doesn't. We done?
That was beautiful, brother. Thank you so much. That was wonderful. Thank you all that came up. It was very neighbor so I want to I want to put up some of the the verses that were, were key and then we're going to take uh, communion together um, the whole thing started off like we got a big job in this society a lot of people are messed up a lot of people are struggling a lot of people are living the lie and church brother and sister in Christ we're the salt we are the light. The Lord is trying to reach them through us. And I like the simplicity of what we're supposed to do as Christians. Jesus said this is the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That's how you're to live your life every day, Christian. Loving God with all of your heart, all of your mind, and all of your soul. Remember, your mind is your intellect. Everything that you would think on and learn about, your heart, your feelings, your affections. And your soul is literally with every breath, with everything that you do in life. As a teacher at school, whatever it might be, um, that's always front and center. Every day we wake up as Christians, I am loving God today in tangible, practical ways. And then the second is like it. You shall love your neighbors yourself. Now, I want to, teach, I want to keep that real broad here for a moment. Um, number one commandment, love God. Number two commandment, love people. Love God. Love people. And of course, I think there's two categories of people that we've talked about within the engagement project and the one being your family members your brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus said a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another so as I as I reminded you on Sunday, if you're a member of the church, you're a member of a very special group of people. The church is the called out ones, those who have been saved through faith in Christ Jesus. And together as Christians, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And it is very important that we have deep relationships with one another. And that should be a top priority in your life as a Christian, to have that group, those brothers and sisters in Christ, that you know deeply. And so I, too, was really impressed by the life group concept that Dell spoke about. You know, you can't have a real close, deep relationship with a lot of people, even all of the people that you might go to church with, you got to find those close-knit relationships where you can be yourself, where you can let your hair down, where you can say how you really feel, and where you can confess struggles and all of that and, and speak to one another and, and really be there to care for one another. And that's one of the things we're trying to do at this church. Wayne mentioned the silver cords. That's 50-plus. White flag. That's the young adult. And I'm not going to put, what would you say young adult is, Q? 20 to 30? All right, 20 to 30. I would go even to 40. I'd go even to 50. But no, young adults. We also have a women's group that has a bunch of tight-knit groups of ladies, sisters in Christ that get together. And, and, and the men's group, we have a, a high school group that meets next door. We have a mid-high 
We even have elementary. So um, th there's a wonderful way for you to get involved with those things. So love God, love your brother and sister in Christ. And then there's this thing that he talked most about, love your neighbor. Now, who is the neighbor? The neighbor is all of those people within your sphere of influence. And Dell spent a lot of time talking about the neighborhood, literally where you live, your next door neighbor, the one behind you, the one in the apartment complex, you know, whatever, whatever that might be. I would say, I would add to that, I would add to that your coworkers, um, the students that you're teaching at school, the people that you have in, you know, that you have interaction with on a day-by-day -day basis. We are to love them and we're to engage them, which means we're to make ourselves available. We're to take that opportunity to build relationships with our neighbors in any way that we possibly can. Um, acts of love. And what you do is you show a Christian life. You live a Christian life right there in the middle of your neighborhood. Right there in your office. Right there. You're, you're not preachy. You're not running around getting on a soapbox and preaching a sermon. You're living this consistent, steady, wonderful Christian life in front of your neighbors. All those people in your sphere of influence. Your Jerusalem. And you will make a difference. People will notice a difference in you. And eventually you'll have the opportunity to share with them and give them the gospel. And I love how creative that can be. It's not a, a one-size-fits-all. Remember the lady who prayed about, how can I start reaching my neighborhood? And she bought a turquoise-colored table, picnic table, and she set it up on her, not in her backyard, her front yard. Remember that? That's all she did. And began sitting out there every day. Or, you know, when she could. And eventually people came along and just sat at the table. That's, that's how God used her. I love the Mother's Day idea with the widows. That's so creative. Whatever the Lord might put in your heart, it's going to look different for you. And that's okay. But just reach out to your neighbors and love them and be that Christian influence. So as a pastor of a local church now, how does the local church fit into this vision? How does the local church work with this? I thought a lot about that as we were going through this. And I believe... You know, the church has, as one of its main priorities, to provide the venue and the opportunity for brothers and sisters in Christ to become close. I really believe, as being a part of a local church, it's here that you should find that tight-knit group. Now, I know lots of Christians who have a tight-knit group with people from different churches. And that works great. My, my parents have that. It doesn't mean that you have to all go to the same church. But I do think that every local church should make an effort to give the brothers and sisters in Christ that opportunity to really get into solid relationships and friendships together. And then here's the other responsibility of the church, and this is an amazing verse. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul writes, He gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. For what? For the equipping of the whom? For the work of what? For the edifying of the body of Christ. Who's in the ministry in that verse? Who's in the ministry? The saints. The pastors, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, those who have 
leadership positions in the local church. You know what our job is? To equip. To build into you. In fact, I mean, a lot of people get it backwards. A lot of people see church as, let's go to church and watch the minister minister. No, church is like a huddle, and I'm like the water boy. I'm the equipment manager. My job is when we all huddle together to do the absolute best I can to equip you for the work of the ministry in your Jerusalem. So that's why we study the Bible so hard, not just so that we can win all the Bible trivia games, so that we can become mature in Christ, have a knowledge of Scripture that enables us to share truth with neighbors effectively. So we're learning together how to share the gospel. In fact, I find it interesting. He gave some to be evangelists for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. I thought evangelists did all the preaching in the crusades. They do. But also as leaders in the church, one of their responsibilities is to teach and equip the saints on how to share their faith. Do you see the difference? So the church is a place for us to get together and find support and encouragement that we all need. And it's also a place for us primarily as Christians to get equipped. To get built up in the faith. So that we're able to go make a difference. And I, I just find that beautiful. And I'm fully on board with that. And the Lord has really kind of shown me how that's such an important thing to be thinking. So why don't we do it? What is it? What are some of the common excuses? Well, the... the the first big excuse of not going out and, and uh, putting yourself out there is, I can't do it. I'm weak. I won't know all the answers. I don't have a theology degree in seminary. You don't need that. Being a witness for Christ is going across the street and helping a widow mow their lawn. Reaching out to people in the name of the Lord. And then being able to share. And remember, a big part of living the Christian life is recognizing that the Holy Spirit lives in you. The fullness of God. When you give your life to Christ, you're born again. The Spirit comes and lives in you. And it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that you get to be witnesses and get to share. I think the other main obstacle, and I think this is for a lot of us, self-centeredness. Self-centeredness. I'm busy. I do my job. I take care of my kids. And then I watch Netflix till I fall asleep. Nobody's going to interrupt my show, my time, my entertainment, my career, my job, my life. And we live life like that, even as Christians. Many of us do. And the idea is we need to be those who are engaging. And I think one of the most powerful tours was that one. When this woman who had been forgiven so much who had experienced so much love from the Lord Jesus Christ that she came in and gave that almost over-the-top, obnoxious even, form of affection. Washing the feet of Jesus with her tears, drying his feet with her hair, pouring perfume and oil on his feet. And everyone's looking around like, oh, whoa. And yet she did that because she was so thankful for what Christ had done 
for her. And I would say to you, you want to lose the self-centeredness? Remember what Christ has done for you. Never forget. He died on that cross for your sin. God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What's the love of Christ like? In all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You are loved way beyond what you could possibly imagine. And as Christians, you know that. But it loses its edge with us sometimes. So we need to remember what Christ has done for us and then turn around and show his love to others and reach out to others. Now, there's another wonderful thing that the church does when it gathers, and that is partake of communion. And that's something that we're supposed to do regularly to help us remember what Christ did for us at the cross. The Son of God left heaven, became man. Jesus dwelt among us, and he came for the specific reason, his purpose, his mission, was to die on the cross for the sins of the world, my sins, all my ugly sins, all of our ugly sins, at great cost. He died in our place and he rose again so that it made it possible if you receive him by faith, if you ask Christ to be your Lord and Savior, you can be forgiven, all of your sins forgiven. Become born again, become a part of this family called the church worldwide. Have brothers and sisters in Christ. Have a purpose. So we're to remember that often by partaking of communion. So we're going to do that right now. Can we turn our lights down? Can we bow our heads? Can I have the worship band come on up? And for those of you who are going to help me distribute, why don't you come on up right now? For those of you watching at home, now would be a great time to pull out those elements and partake of communion with us as a family tonight, right there in your living room. Before we distribute, there's two cups. They're stacked. Get both of them. The one on the bottom contains the bread and the one on top contains the juice. So when you get them, get two. Um, and also, before we distribute, I want to give you an opportunity. If you have not received Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've not become born again, with your heads bowed, your eyes closed, Do you acknowledge that you're a sinner? Well, do you know that Jesus died on the cross for you and all your sins can be forgiven? He did that, and that's the glory of the gospel. He rose again the third day and he's alive. He's right here in this room and he he will save you. And I would like you to Ask him to be your Lord and Savior. If you've never done that, do that before we partake of communion together. If that's you, say a prayer something like this in the quietness of your heart. Lord, I want in. I want to be in your family. I want in your kingdom. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Paying that price, that sacrifice. I invite you, wash away my sins. Be my Lord and Savior. Change me from this day forward. 
Help me to follow you. We're going to distribute. I ask that you would hold the elements and we'll all partake of them together as a, as a body corporately. And as we're passing these out, we're going to have a worship song. Please have a time of prayer, meditation, thanksgiving for your Lord.